Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. My guest today is Walter Hoy. Walter is going to share stories surrounding his pro-life journey with us today. Walter is a pro-life activist with years of experience and passion for supporting women and their babies. Walter will be sharing with us some of the unique and powerful ways he's been able to reach Black leadership through a ministry he calls the Underground Railroad. Our sponsor for this episode is Patriot Insurance. Running a pregnancy center can sometimes feel like a whirlwind, but you shouldn't feel alone. Patriot Insurance has been helping the pro-life community since 1989. They have your back, so you can focus on what matters most, saving the lives of babies and mothers. Supporting our sponsors like Patriot Insurance supports the Pro-Life Team podcast. Thank you. So, so Walter, I'm excited to have you on the Pro-Life Team podcast. Would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to a small group of crazy clinic leadership teams? Um, yeah, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, well, I'd I, I, I first say my name is Walter Hoy, and, and I'm married. I, I have a Proverbs 1822. Uh, she's my good thing, my great thing. I, I'm also uh, actively involved in the pro-life movement and have been uh, active for some time. I was, uh, I guess, years ago arrested for standing in front of a pregnancy care center holding a sign that said, God loves you and your baby, let us help you. And oh my goodness, the, uh, the women stopped. They wanted to talk to a black preacher and they'd often walk up to me and say, hey, preacher, you know, is it true that God loves me? I say, yes, it's true that he loves my baby, and for mama, it was always a baby. It wasn't fetal tissue or anything like that. It was her baby. I say yes, and then, you know, the sisters, they don't mind getting in your face and stepping up and saying, now what you gonna do if you gonna help me? And I did, I really didn't care what she needed. I helped her. I had the pregnancy care centers in our area on speed dial. I could get a doctor, nurse, I can get whatever they needed. I mean, sometimes it was just simple as buying groceries. Oh my goodness. Uh, I also am a board member of the Morning Center. The Morning Center uh, is a pregnancy care center in Memphis and in Atlanta, and we're doing some great things uh, with that. So it's my privilege and pleasure to be on the program today. Awesome. And so what we want to talk about today when it comes to the different pro-life areas that you have worked in, what 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 seems to be the thing that you felt you feel most led for us to start off with? Well, I, I like to talk about uh, a, a ministry that, that we do. You know, we focus on reaching black leadership. And there's one ministry that I can talk a little bit of. I can't get into the absolute details of it. Uh, but I would like to, to talk about that, share some of the answer any questions you might have. Sure. Here. So, yeah. So, what's the what's the ministry called that is working to reach bl uh, black leadership? Uh, we call it our underground railroad, and we focus on on the remnant uh, because all through the Bible, it's the remnant. God has always used remnant, Old Testament, New Testament. It doesn't matter. Uh, the line of Christ itself comes from and through the remnant. And when reaching uh, the remnant, there's some things that you're going to have to focus on. And our focus particularly 
is is black leadership. That's what the Issue of Life Foundation is all about. And so what we do is we take pastor and wife. If his wife can't come, he can't come. And we take them away to a secret location. We hold them for four days. And then we pour into them the the strategies that they'll need to go back to their own congregation and, and make the pro-life thing work there where they are. And so it's a, a very unique, uh, ministry. There's nothing like it really in the country. And we're, um, we're awesome to, to talk about it. I just wish I could <laughs> tell you everything about it, but I can't. So. Okay. But the, just a synopsis of helping ministers and pastors and their spouse, uh, equipping them to strategically, uh, yeah, connect their congregation with pro-life efforts or pro-life fight thoughts in some way. That's a very intriguing. I wish I could actually ask you more. So tell me what you can tell me about it or what else you could say without, you know, without going to the areas that you can't talk about. <laughs> well, I, I, we, we, we have several teams and, uh, we have like a medical team. Our medical okay. team is, is comprised of a former black abortionist and okay. when 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 they're sitting down in front of the pastors and wives oh my goodness the discussion uh in one particular discussion the pastor actually got up he was he was angry uh he was wondering why they stopped uh doing abortion they were making all the money and it was working great and uh my my team member our medical team member got up and said hey 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 when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I couldn't do that no more. And you know what happened? At that moment, the pastor turned around and confessed his sin to his wife. It's the uh, first time I've ever said anything like that. Our 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 underground railroad is is really really unique. Uh, if you need help, if you're struggling with maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, you. You get the help in small groups. You don't get them in the large 200, 300 pastor conferences. Now, I'm not complaining. They're great. I've been to them myself, participate in, to, in, in those conferences myself. But if you're really going to get right down to the real reason why they're struggling, you're going to have to do it in a small group. And that's what we do. So we invite maybe seven to maybe nine pastors tops to keep it in a small group. And we do it in a way that the audience can actually talk back to the speaker. So we get into all kinds of conversation. And our goal is to get to that intimate conversation. And so that's one of the first things that's happened is they get there on Tuesday. Uh, and we, we blow them away Tuesday with that and no more chicken that as we get right down to the prime rib. It's all, it's all good. Uh, but then that Wednesday, we're taking them to our secret location. And um, when they get there, the first team they meet is the medical team. Uh, but we have a civil rights team. Our civil rights team is, is headed by Dr. Alvita King, and there are others that are on, on, on the team. And so uh, ultimately we throw out the race car because we're all black Americans. And, you know, so the race car is gone. We throw out the gender car. Well, you got our wives, we love the women, you know, we throw the gender car off the table. You throw the politics card off the table. Lord have mercy, when you look at Daddy King, I believe it was a registered Republican, so we got to throw the, you know, the political card off the table. All that's left on the table is that baby. 
And that's what allows us to get right down to the nitty gritty, to that intimate conversation. We have a, an abortion recovery team. And now there are only two abortion recovery ministries in the entire country that I would trust with black pastors. There's thousands of them, you know, they're, they're all over the place, and that's great. We, we love them. But when it comes to reaching black pastors, particularly in my community, it's a little bit different. You've got to understand the reasons why they are or are not involved in a pro-life movement. And when you understand those reasons, there are actually four specific reasons why they are not involved in a pro-life movement. Then at that point, you can really get down to it. And so we bring in our our, our two uh, abortion recovery teams. One is actually out here with me in California, but another is in Minnesota. Uh, they're just absolutely great. The California team is no longer bound. It's it's uh, a great ministry. And then there's their Everlasting Light Ministries up in Minnesota. And again, husband and wife teams, they bring it. Oh my goodness, it's pretty exciting to see what happens with that. So that's some of what, what happens there. And uh, it's a, I guess, like I said, it's a, a very unique ministry. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really curious now, what are the four reasons? I know you probably can't go into depth because we're trying to make this into a podcast that someone can listen to on the way to, you know, on the way to a, a single drive. But if you, what, what's, what's the fairest out of the four reasons? Well, I, I can go into to, to the number one, the, the number sure. one reason, no matter where I go, whether I'm traveling and I meet him here or there, it, 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 the number one reason is that the, the pastor is post-abortive. And what I mean by that is that there's an abortion in his life somewhere. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It could be mama, could be daddy, it could be his wife, it could be his son, his daughter. If he's preaching to a, a black congregation, our numbers are so disproportionately high uh, when it comes to abortion that he's probably preaching to an entire congregation that's suffering, suffering and wrestling with it. And so when you understand uh, the real reason why someone is saying no, then you can really get to it. For us, the, the worst case scenario with that number one reason, the worst case scenario, Lord have mercy, it's it's his girlfriend in the back of the choir. She's 15. And he stole church money to pay Planned Parenthood. Now, if, if you don't understand how to deal with that, if you even don't know that even exists, uh, you're never going to get him to actually get involved in the pro-life. Not at all. You've got to understand the real reason why. And that's true for anything. Anybody can tell you no, but if you don't know why, they're telling you no, then it's going to be pretty tough to put together a strategy, you know, to get mm -hmm. you to say yes. So that's the number one one reason. Wow, and that, that that one feels like in the back of my mind. I'm thinking confessional community, or or but but it's such a hard road to get that started. And and so uh, I'm curious, but yeah. So what's what's one of the normal what what's one of the things that you would promote? In, for someone in that situation, well, one it, these are conversations that I have have with them because I'm I'm licensed ordained. I'm in the club. I can have conversations with with pastors and preachers that uh, perhaps you couldn't have. Uh, you've got to sort of be in the club, so to speak. And 
And then we take him to that secret location. It's just him and his wife. They're in a small group. And the environment is encouraging. It encourages them to talk. They're safe. Now, I can't have this conversation at his office. Well, you know, it's in his church office. I can't really get down to it there. I can't even have it uh, in his city. Sometimes, you know, it's a big pastor, a popular pastor. And the person serving us at the restaurant, you know, goes to his church. And I really can't have that intimate conversation there. And so when we bring them to our, our secret location, oh, my goodness. They're there. They're being treated like they have never been treated before. I mean, when you go to a conference, you got to, you know, buy your transportation there. You got to register for the conference. You know, you might get a little food there, but you're going to have to pay for some food sooner or later get what you want to eat. Lord have mercy. And you got to put your credit card down for the incidentals and, and all of that. And the hotel, you got to do that too. Not with our ministry. With our ministry, that's all taken care of. All I need to know, all I need to know is where you are and we'll have the car come and get you. And no suits, no ties, forget all that. We're coming comfortable. We're going to be in that small group. And I'm telling you, as soon as they get there, we start meeting them on, on Tuesday, they're just blown away. They've never been loved like that. They've never been treated like that. And all oh my goodness, uh, when we sit down to that high rib data that first night, I, I've already got them already. I haven't hardly started yet. We've already got them. So there's a bunch of stuff that we do, uh, but but one of the big things that we do is just we love the pastor. We pour in to him. So whether he's a big-time, you know, pastor or, or maybe he's leading a congregation of 200, it doesn't matter. Uh, we bring it in, and then we create the environment where you can have that intimate conversations, and we can get right down to it, why you're not, supporting the pro-life, why you're not preaching about it, why you're not uh, getting involved in helping the women and children in your community or in your congregation. That sounds really beautiful and amazing to be able to take someone from a hard spot and sort of help them, you know, better minister to their own congregation, help them minister to their own family, helping them get, you know, find the healing that they need and uh, ultimately with desire. Um, so with, with those who are listening, if, if there is a, uh, a church with a, a black pastor, at, you know, a black pastor in a church in their community, and they haven't been able to uh, get that, that, that pastor or church to maybe connect with their praise clinic, what would be your suggestion? Would you suggest connecting that, that pastor and making a connection to your group, would you say, what would you suggest? Well, interesting. They could go to uh, my website. The website is issues, the number four life.org. And at the top right, we've got a library. And the library is all kinds of stuff. The pastors love going to my library uh, because they can find information there that uh, they wouldn't necessarily find anywhere else. I mean, even the, some of the brothers get tired of mainstream media. I mean, after a while, you know, you're not really getting the true story on mainstream media. So again, I'm, I'm in the club. They come and they know that I'm, I'm black, I'm American, I'm pro-life, I love the Lord, I, I love women and children. So they'll come to my library and get all kind of information. One of the things there in a library, I think it's on the second floor, it, it, it'll help other organizations that want to reach our community 
uh, involved, then they can get involved in this program, and this program will actually help them determine if they have what it takes to do it. You can want to do it, but you may not have what it takes to do it. And so when they get involved in our program, we'll come, we'll sit down with the leadership, and we'll we'll go through what it takes to actually do it. So there's some examples on that second floor and on our on our website where you can see exactly uh, where and what uh, the program's all about. So really, you've got to uh, sort of get some coaching, if you will, if you're going to try and do that. So so with the yeah, with maybe with that executive director, you know, maybe she could point the that that church pastor or that that yeah the pastor maybe and his wife to to this to this website to one of these pages here and in order to try and find something that he would yeah essentially yeah look at and and then that might open up more conversations perhaps sounds like yeah yeah normally I I I like to sit out and look at him you know face to face um, you know make that happen it's it's it's, uh, yeah, you can do it virtually and then you can get on a telephone and, and email and, and all of that, but it's a whole lot better if you can meet somebody face to face and sit down and have that intimate uh, uh, conversation. Uh, not, not everyone can do it. I mean, that's just the way, you know, life is. If I was talking to a, a woman's program, I would ask my wife what to say. <laughs> I mean, I, I know the issue, we could talk about it, but you know, I'm not a woman. She would know what I could, what I could, maybe a better way to say this, a better way to say that. And so if you're gonna try to reach, you know, at least my community of black leadership, you've got to understand what you're getting into. I mean, it's, for instance, if, if you're trying to reach uh, a, a, a Catholic priest, it's a little bit different. Uh, the priest might make a mistake and yeah, you know, Maybe, maybe he's transferred to a, a comfortable location. Maybe, maybe advancement is no longer in the future. I get that, but he's eating and sleeping. You come to my community, the pastor can preach a pro-life message, beautiful, straight out the Bible, you know, boom. Uh, but by three o'clock that afternoon, by way of a conference call, he could be voted out of the office and put out homeless in the street. Now, if you don't understand how the church works, you don't understand, you know, what he's really up against. You you don't know, you don't have any strategy, any way to help him communicate that pro life message in his church without getting fired. Well, <laughs> I, I I I don't know really how much help you can be. Another thing you you're gonna have to realize there's there's one group, one group called the CNBC, and that, that group is the most powerful uh, group. Uh, uh, for black Americans in the entire country. I mean, they're the number one group. Um, they, they're comprised of, I believe, uh, nine, well, I think it's now eight of the largest black church denominations in the country. They're an incredibly powerful and very influential group. If you don't know anything about that, you don't know anything about them, you don't know how they got started, you don't know the background, you don't know essentially how the church is, is organized and how it relates, how it moves up from that local congregation to the district, then it moves up to the state, then it moves up to the, you don't understand any of that, the denomination, none of that. You're just not in a position to really communicate. If all you got is the pamphlet 
the, you know, the video, you got the sign. I mean, that's okay, you know, it's good. But if you're going to reach that leader, you're going to have to know some. And um, for the most part, generally the pro-life movement is really not in a position to um, reach black leadership. So let's say that the executive director wants to reach the, a black pastor-led church. Would you suggest that, you know, that executive director reach out to you in order to, you know, maybe make a plan on how to connect with this church and this pastor? Um, what, you know, what, could, what would be a reasonable first step for someone who is not in that position? And without well, knowing mean, they, the they, backstory. They'd have to call me and we'd have to talk and get to, get to know one another. And again, uh, like I said, we, we have that program. It's in our library on the second floor. Okay. Uh, it's, it's called cultural proficiency. And when, if, if that executive director is really interested, they'll, they'll bring my wife and I out and we'll take them through what we call cultural proficiency. It will help them understand when they say this, this is what it sounds like to black Americans. And when you do this, this is what it looks like to black. There's some ways to communicate. You may also understand this is this means that our program has been successful. You may also understand that you don't have what it takes to do. And so if you can't make that first impression, the right first impression, then I'd recommend that you just just leave it alone because first impressions are so important. But if you can make the right first impression, oh my God, then you can begin to take it a little bit deeper. So what we do in this cultural proficiency program, we help the organizations understand if they have what it takes to reach them. And many organizations don't. It'd be better they just let left it alone. Uh, other ways they can maybe support organizations that are prepared uh, to do that. And then finally, uh, I've often been asked, um, you know, how, how can we do it and how can we, you know, become more involved? But when, but when you get right down to what their organization is all about, they're not prepared. Uh, it, it, it's not even in their uh, mission statement uh, to reach, you know, the black community. Uh, there are going to be some things you're going to have to do differently if you're going to be targeting uh, the black community when it comes to the pro-life message. So go to the library, got us got a, on second floor, got our cultural proficiency program. You, you do a little bit, you take a little bit at that and, you know, see what it's, what it's about. And then you can reach us, contact us, and then, you know, we can come on in and see if your organization is, is really ready uh, to get into that discussion. Ooh, interesting. So you, that's sort of a side story, but we're, we're working with an organization who is working to train, serve, um, uh, serve, well, essentially, uh, unplanned pregnancies within the black community. And they're focused on, you know, this, the African-American community and when it comes to helping, you know, new moms and single moms and those experiencing unplanned pregnancy. And they, we were recently trying to apply for a, an account with a group called TechSoup. And I believe TechSoup denied this group. And I believe the reason why they denied this group is because they were focusing on the African-American community and part of TechSoup's requirements, I guess, are that they, that they um, are, that they, you know, that their services are offered to everybody in the community. But what's interesting is that the way to help the African-American community is 
it may be different than helping just a general person anywhere in the community, like regardless of backstory or skin tone. So it seems like um, I think we may grapple with that idea of how do you serve the African American community while also trying to get grants and align with services that say you have to provide services to everybody without um, saying no based on these different qualifications like like race or ethnicity. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that kind of yeah tr uh, struggle? That's the huge struggle, and and again, you're going to have to really think about what is your your organization's mission. I mean, why were you created? What is your target audience? Uh, in other yeah. words, uh, Black American leadership is our mission field. That's what we do. That's what we specialize in. That's what we do. But that's not your mission field. I mean, you're you're good over here, and you know you're good over there. That that's great. You you're prepared. You got what it takes for that mission field. But if the Black America is just an additional something that you want to do. You want to do that also. You want to be able to do this and that. That that may not necessarily work because you're going to have to answer some some very difficult questions uh, if you're going to have that honest, open, and intimate discussion. And if you don't even know what, you don't even know the reason why they're not already pro-life, why they're not working with your organization to begin with. Um, I just think you're going to need help with that. So. It depends. The organization is really interested and really, really committed to reaching black leadership. There's some things we could talk about and we could help them get in a position where they would do it. They'd be better able to do it. But if that's not their mission fee, that's not really where God has planted them and, and, and put in their heart, then, you know, they can continue to pray. Maybe they can uh, support organizations that are in that. Maybe that's the way they could do it. Yeah. Well, for this one group we're we're currently working with, they they are focusing on the African American community and Af African American families, and they were essentially denied access, like every other group similar that's essentially trying to provide services in general has been getting approved. But this one group that's focusing on the African American community got denied, and we're just trying to we're trying to figure out like it, it doesn't really seem well. It seems difficult when you focus on a certain group you, you know certain resources may you know are becoming unavailable and that's very frustrating or disheartening uh because we'll see, it... we'll see part of the problem is is that it, it may be that their tactics i'll try to put it this way in, in the beginning i talked about how we would focus on the individual if you're going to yeah. do it organizationally you're going to get this organization or that organization you can fill in the blanks uh, that's going to be a little tougher. You're going to have to be able to develop a relationship with that leader, this leader or that leader. You're going to have to be able to take some time and invest some energy in working on those individual relationships. And it may be that the remnant, that mission field, the remnant, that those that are really sold out to the word of God, where the word of God is preeminent, it doesn't matter black or white, it doesn't matter if it's left or, or right. It's just what the Word of God says. And if you can get down to that, then you could begin to actually make make progress. And so if you're just going to do it, you know, at a very high level, 
you're going to do the organization at the very top. You're going to connect with this organization, that with organization. That's you can do that, but the pro life movement has been doing that since what abortion has been legal since 1967 in, in Colorado, Mississippi, and California. <laughs> when you keep on doing the same old things and you keep getting the same old results, you're going to have to really sit down and actually think about what is your goal, what is your real mission, and what are you really willing to do. And that's why we've come up with our, our version of the uh, Underground Railroad is literally taken, literally taken from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 4. Just, yeah, so what does that verse say? Yeah. Uh, is it 1 Kings? 1 Kings 18 and 4, you got it? Or... Yeah, I'm pulling it up. All right, uh, here we go. And that reads... Um, while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Absolutely. Obadiah is not the prophet. Obadiah literally uh, works for Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel may be the first, the worst uh, king-queen combination in the Old Testament. Sometimes I think we got Obadiah and Jezebel in office today. And Lord have mercy. Um, when you look at Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel, you, you, you're looking at the, probably one of the most difficult times Israel has ever faced. So Obadiah has got the real prophets. He's got 50 in one cave, his underground cave. He's got them in an underground. He's got another 50. And that's how the word of God is getting out to the remnant. And if you're, if you're a, a prophet and you're in the community, you're hanging out, Ahab and Jezebel don't want, don't care. They, they don't mind you being there. <laughs> you're the wrong one. All right. You're the wrong one. Now, it was so bad. Get this straight. It was so bad during that time that Elijah, now Elijah is the prophet that could call down fire from heaven. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I mean, if I could go down fire from heaven, I don't think I'd be running from anybody, you know. I'd just call it down. But it was so bad that even he was running for his life. Now, he meets the Lord. The Lord talks to him and sends him back. And on his way back, that's when he runs into Obadiah. And while he was gone, while all the real prophets were in the caves, 50 and one, 50 and another, and all the false prophets were out in the community, you know, doing whatever they do in the community, it was through that remnant, it was through Obadiah and that underground ministry that kept getting the word of God out and into the, the general public. And so our underground real works the same way. It's an undisclosed location, a secret location. Oh my goodness, this is probably only maybe, oh, maybe three like it in the entire United States of America. And then we take them for four days. And then we treat them with the love and respect that they deserve. Oh, my goodness. It's completely different than any other ministry. And then while we're there, they get a chance to be poured into. And the groups are small so that we can have that intimate conversation, so that we can talk back to one another and really get right down to it. And that sounds really intriguing for, for a pastor to have that experience uh, being cared for, uh, yeah, just with um, and having fellow pastors to experience it with, like that just sounds really pretty awesome. 
Um, and and then and, and based on that, yeah, just the level of service and care and information. Yeah, and again, and also just to try and provide some really good information on how to present um, a life saving message in the you know when it comes to abortion. Um, wow, just a such a, such an amazing idea. Um, so one of the things that I also wanted to talk to you about this podcast was was your thoughts on the 14th Amendment and how, what, what were your thoughts on uh, Roe being uh, overturned and what were you, you know, what was, what's your longing for, for that in regards to the 14th Amendment? Well, uh, before the, the, uh, the actual decision came out in June, you know, the, the, the draft came out, uh, from my sources, the, uh, the, the, the draft was not what it was really gonna be. Uh, it was going to be reversed based on the Fourteenth Amendment. I mean, like, there's no, there's nobody now that can say, you know what? I, I want to bring slavery back. We're just going to do slavery. We're going to make it legal in our state. Well, no, that ain't going to happen. You know, we got the Thirteenth, we got the Fourteenth, we got the Fifteenth Amendment. If you look at Justice Blackman, um, uh, the uh, the guy that the justice wrote the original opinion, the majority opinion for Roe v. Wade. I mean, the the weakness, uh in Roe v. Wade, the, the, what could have stopped it, what have brought it to an end, was personhood based on the 14th Amendment. And oh my goodness, if that could have ever been established, and it was clearly established, they just didn't want to do it, it it's obvious that the child inside the womb is a unique individual, a unique human being. I mean, this evidence is just overwhelming. And now we got sonograms, oh my goodness, oh Lord, mercy. But if it, the role could have been overturned based on the 14th Amendment, that would have made that that child in the womb a person, that child, wherever it comes a person, now abortion is over. If, if, you, if you're just in, interested in, in raising money and, and you know, getting some, some things done with it, you got to use incremental strategies. Incremental strategies are really good oh my goodness they're great when it comes to raising money i mean we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and oh, oh, oh well we got to stop but we're going to keep on going that's good but if you're trying to st just stop it this is the weak spot this is where it's ended for good then you're going to have to embrace personhood you're going to have to embrace personhood a whole lot more than just you know the idea of it. you know yeah I believe in it. Yeah, it's good. But you're going to have to really take a look at it in different ways that you can get this done. Essentially, we're fighting a war. And whether we like it or not, it's a war. And if this was World War II, you'd have to get to Germany. I mean, it's good that we go to France. It's good that, you know, we, we do Italy. It's good to, to Japan. It's good that we storm the shores of Normandy. That, that's great. That's great. But if you don't get to Germany, you don't get the healer. You're not gonna win the war. Now, if it's about winning, you're gonna have to get the personhood sooner or later, one way or the other. And they just uh, simply assume, well, no, nah, it's, you know, it's not doable. We're gonna do this and not that. And we're gonna do incremental stuff or we're gonna just step by step. I, I, I'll, I'll challenge anybody. Can you find me an incremental strategy in the Old Testament? Lord have mercy, even in the New Testament, an incremental strategy, you know, like uh, thou shalt not kill. Well, you know, we're only going to do it, you know, a couple of days out the week. You know, we're going to work our way up to, no, not at all. No, that, that's that's not anywhere 
in the older or new testament you just keep working towards what's right keep working toward it and i think if we can all come together and actually commit our hearts to getting this done i think we will see a a, a whole lot more uh but again that's that's just our, our opinion and uh we love everybody yeah and and i guess i would just i would say if i have you know I would say, um, if I can, if we can save as many lives as possible, that's, you know, what we could, yeah, it, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we, where we might be today, but ultimately we do want, yeah, to stop abortion, make abortion unthinkable, make abortion illegal, make abortion undesired, make, make life desired, make life valued or have, have life valued. Um, and. But I, yeah, and I think I think when it comes to like incremental or or compromise, I think it's I think it, it it's good when we can save more lives. Um, but well, it's it's but it's such a part of it's not you know it's um I think you're you're, you're right it's not you know, the war is not over until until we reach Germany and and the leadership of the enemy is is. Um, imprisoned or or something or or or, or stopped and and yeah and right now our opposition which is 50 plus percent planned parenthood uh several you know uh several people in congress uh our our president vice president are supporting you know abortion uh there's a there's a we have a lot of enemies right now that are on the abortion side and and but, but we have God on our side. We have a lot of people on our side, and it's an ongoing spiritual battle that we yeah we experience through people and organizations. Oh, I, I would agree. I, I think it is it, every life, every individual life is, is priceless. There, there's no question about that. But but if you're fighting a war, you've got to put together a strategy to actually win the war and when you look at the battles that were fought in the old testament the battles that were fought in, in the new testament you don't find incremental strategies winning or doing anything matter of fact it's got i i, I would challenge almost anybody find me an incremental strategy well we're gonna you know stop worshiping molech you know seven days a week and we're only gonna worship, worship molech or baal on the weekends i mean that's the start. I mean, that's better than what it was when it was 24-7. I totally get that. But there's not a strategy like that in the in the Bible. And so I think we need to focus more on strategies that are just going to win. Not incremental strategies. The strategy is just going to win. It, and if we do more of that, I think God has already given us the victory. We just need to step in and embrace what he would do. And when I look at what Christ yeah. did in the New Testament, he wasn't incremental. He he just saved him. He just saved him. He just went right there. Just did it. Oh my goodness, that's our example. There's no greater example than that. So that, that's what we do here at the Issues Fire Foundation. Design to literally move them from A to B to get them from where they were to, to where uh, they're embracing the pro-life message. They know how to do it. They can do without getting fired. They can start helping the women and children in their own congregations. And when we start doing that, 
I mean, oh my goodness. To get an example, we reached one pastor. Now, he wasn't, uh, you know, uh, his church wasn't large. It wasn't a big church, but this pastor was the president and he was over 1,100 churches, which ended up giving us access to the Jewish organizations, the 1,100 churches, black churches. So that's so that I got the president saying, oh yeah, uh, you can bring the Issue of Life Foundation in and we can start talking. And what we do, literally, we start talking. I mean, it's it's no different than in the New Testament. Jesus sent the disciples out. When they went to the city, there was nothing happening there. They just shake the dust off their feet and keep right on going. Well, we, we do that. There's sometimes, oh, yeah, it's great. It's working. You know, oh, my goodness. This this pastor and wife, they might be a candidate for our underground uh, railroad. Uh, but then sometimes we go, and, nope, uh, we're not getting anything there. And we leave shaking the dust off our feet. It's just a biblical approach. It's not that, I don't think that's the only way, but that's the way that we have chosen to do it. And that's where we can find the biblical models. And that's why our ministry is based off of First Kings, you know, 18 and four. Yeah, so it's just a, it's just one example. I mean. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, I, I think, so, so priestly clinics will often work in their, you know, within a county or a smaller community, such as a county, in order to reach out to women who are seeking abortions, in order to talk to them and 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 love and provide free ultrasounds um, and, and options counseling in order to promote parenting and adoption and expose the risk, the real spiritual, emotional, physical risks that are associated with abortion decisions. And, and, and meanwhile, that doesn't necessarily, you know, that's not progressing, you know, the, the move towards maybe the 14th, it's not directly hopping the 14th amendment overturned, you know, it, it, it essentially embracing personhood for the person that's not born yet. Whereas it looks like the 14th amendment focuses on those who are born. And, but I think, you know, in my mind, I look at that as being like trying to, trying to help those who are who are in a voting building right now and they need, need to be rescued. Meanwhile, the 14th Amendment would be a matter of, you know, changing the building so that it doesn't catch on fire. Like that's what the, you know, if we could, if we could embrace personhood, we'll have buildings that don't catch on fire and it, it'll have less fire. Yeah. Yeah. Facing, you know, death within hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, uh, Pregnancy care centers represent the heart of the pro-life movement, the very heart of it. If you took pregnancy care centers away from the pro-life movement, I mean, you'd have a lot of groups that are still out there, thousands and thousands of them. But when it comes right down to the heart, the love, the actually physically helping somebody, it's pregnancy care centers. I, I just don't know how we could possibly win without pregnancy care centers. So wherever they are in the United States or in the world, we need them. They're the literal heart of the pro-life movement. And oh my goodness, what we do and a part of what we do in our underground railroad is that we bring in those ministries. We bring in the ones that can actually reach and, and deal with, with that pastor and the congregation. And then we help them understand how pregnancy care centers can help them. So there's no question. We love the pregnancy care centers. 
There's no question about that. But now, we got to go fight the war. I mean, let me give you an example. This, this is sometimes we talk about this in light of pregnancy care centers. In Exodus chapter 1, we have a late-term abortion. Exodus chapter 1, late-term. No, no, no question. Pharaoh, he, he can't wait to kill that firstborn male child coming out the womb. Lord have mercy. Kill it. Kill it right there. That's a late-term abortion. Here in California, we, we, it's insane. The baby can't be born. <laughs> and you can still kill the baby. Late-term abortion. Well, it's clear to see in Exodus chapter 1 whose side God is on. Mm. Mm. He's helping the midwives. It's the women. It's the midwives. The midwives come up with a plan, and they work it. And oh my goodness, God blesses that plan from the midwives. And when the midwives meet Pharaoh, God protects them and keeps them. And then they end up saving the life. Now, they saved the life of Moses. Moses, <laughs> oh my goodness, is coming now. And not only that, that's the line of Christ. The line of Christ continues through, through all of that. And so it's clear. I mean, oh my goodness, how God uses uh, women and, and, and the pregnancy care centers or midwives. It's incredible. I mean, Moses gets, what, adopted by Pharaoh's, what, sister, I think his daughter, one of the two. <laughs> I mean, so God is- Now he's like royalty. Yeah, so he wasn't just adopted. He was adopted into the royal family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if Pharaoh's only got, what, maybe five, six more chapters to go, and he's through, it's over, you know? And so pregnancy care centers, you know, represent a biblical model, a biblical strategy where women were with women and they were meeting the needs of women the way that only they can. So I, I can't say enough for pregnancy care yeah. centers. And that's why I'm on the board of, of one right now. I mean, it's the actual love and heart of the pro-life movement. Yeah. I think that, yeah, just like there's the body of Christ, I think that represents the people who are involved in, in the, the fight against death and the fight for life. And like, I, yeah, and I, I think the crazy clinic, crazy clinics do re represent like the heart and the care and, or, or I would also maybe call them like the hands and feet because they're, you know, working in these, in these, um, you know, they're meeting women right where they are in order to try and, um, provide free services and then in order to show the heart of Christ through providing, you know, essentially they're providing medical care while fundraising. And so they're working really hard to make things free and professional and safe. And then we're looking in, looking out for someone's future that's going to affect the life of that young client for, for not just for decades, but for generations. And so it's like, you know, it's just deep love to consider the generations that are that are being affected and that are you know that love is being poured in to make a long lasting um impact um but i think at the same time we have other groups who are working on uh the political sphere and working in changing laws defending people in the courts or working in the courts uh to you know to fight injustices and so that, i think there's a lot of different areas of the pro-life world um, and it's really good that we have different parts of the body because uh, not all of us are good at different parts of this fight. And so it's good that we have different types of people. And, 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 and working with churches or working with the African-American churches, you know, that's a whole that's a whole different sphere as well. It's a different sphere of work is working with churches. 
and and bringing churches, you know, helping them make the connection and helping them get past roadblocks that are stopping preventing them from, you know, doing what God may be calling them to do. I I agree. It's it's we all need to learn to to work together. Now, uh, just like in the scripture, there's some challenges for some that you won't find for others. But at the same time, we've all got to find a way where we can work together. There's a lot more we could talk about, particularly about that particular subject. But there is no question. Uh, you take the pregnancy care centers out, uh, the pro-life movement, the pro-life movement is, is done. You could do whatever else you want to do. But if you cannot love that woman with that baby, you can't reach that man. You don't understand what he's going through. It's the love that changes everything. And Christ himself in, in, in the Gospels, you know, emulates that. Everywhere he goes, he gets right to the real reason. <laughs> Why are you struggling? Right, gives right to it. And then when he gets to it, he blesses you. And oh my goodness, the life has changed. And so are the lives of those around it. So I think when it comes to a, a biblical model, pregnancy care centers are, are pretty much at the top. These podcasts are not scripted. The ideas presented may not be the official position of the speakers, the related organizations or the sponsors. These podcasts are free-form dialogues that may include brainstorming and trying on ideas to see how they fit. Please walk with us as we share stories and ideas. Lead me in righteous pathways for your 